Hello, dear listeners, and welcome once again to Keep the Faith with Adam Burton. Today, we'll be embarking on another spiritual exploration with our cherished pastor, Adam Burton, of Central Baptist Church in Maysville, Kentucky. Good morning, Pastor Adam. Are you ready to shed light on today's topic? Hello, everyone. I am indeed ready, and I pray that today's message reaches our listeners in their time of need, offering them solace and guidance. Amen to that. We are in the fourth part of our six-part series on human emotions, where Pastor Adam will delve into liberating grace, overcoming the chains of shame. As we journey through passages from Genesis, Psalms, and Romans, we'll uncover the pervasive influence of shame in our lives and society, and most importantly, the roadmap to liberation through God's grace. But before we immerse ourselves in this transformative exploration, Remember to check our website at cbcmaysville.com for more resources and updates. And now, over to you, Pastor Adam. Well, have you ever experienced an overwhelming pressure that, that surrounds you from all sides, constantly reminding you that you are not good enough? This question's an easy one to ask, but it's a harder question to answer especially when we kind of search deep into our hearts. Today, we're going to address this very feeling that is as ancient as all humanity is, yet itself is so relevant in our modern era. That's the feeling of shame. There was a young girl named Emily. Emily was a talented pianist known in her community for her musical abilities. However, she always felt that she just wasn't good enough. Despite her accomplishments, she felt immense pressure to, to meet the societal expectations. She would, she would scroll through her, her social media feed and, and looking at seeing her friends and her acquaintances. And it was odd because it seemed like they all we're having perfect lives. All the glamorous pictures, the flawless selfies, the inescapable arrays of success stories made her feel smaller and smaller and even more inadequate. Similarly, she oft, often found herself caught in the trap of body shaming. Whenever she looked into the mirror, instead of seeing a beautiful person that God had created. She saw all of her flaws and imperfections that society had taught her to despise. Her reflection seemed like a, a constant reminder of her own perceived shortcomings. Emily also wrestled with the shame of past mistakes. A few poor choices in her youth continued to haunt her conscience despite seeking and receiving forgiveness from those involved. The echo of her past mistakes seemed louder in her ears than the gracious voice of redemption. Does Emily's story sound familiar to any of us today? Today, the, the prevalence of shame and its close cousin comparison is significantly exasperated by our digital culture. In fact, in 2021, 72% of American adults used social media, with among those 
between the ages of 18 and 29 reaching 84%, according to a Pew Research study. Using social media, right, it's not necessarily bad. Right? It serves as a means to us to, uh, to have communication with our loved ones and, and a stage to express our own creativity and sharing things in our lives. But like any tool, it also has its drawbacks. According to a report by the Royal Society for Public Health in, in the UK, Instagram is the worst offender for young people's mental health. Out even more so than Facebook, Instagram, or Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube. Social media sites are linked to high anxiety, to depression, to the bullying, to FOMO. And if you don't know what that means, God bless you. It's the fear of missing out. <laughs> According to the same study, 7 out of 10 young people have experienced cyberbullying. And a sizable portion reported that it has damaged their self-esteem. Furthermore, over 60% of women worldwide reported feeling pressured to look a certain way. More than half of them said that that pressure comes specifically from the media and advertising, according to a survey done by the Dove Self-Esteem Project. Do you remember Emily's story? Right? Her battle with shame was silent, but it was made more complex by the onslaught of perfect lives that she was confronted with every time that she logged on to one of her social media accounts. But unfortunately, Emily's experience isn't unique. Now, studies show that heavy social media use can trigger feelings of negative self-worth and even lead to symptoms of, of major depression. And we're living now in a culture that, that amplifies and, and magnifies shame. It's an issue that we must acknowledge and address, for it has implications for both our mental and our spiritual health. Yet even in the face of this societal pressure, we have hope. As we understand this powerful Feeling. Now, I want us to clarify what shame means from a biblical perspective. In the scriptures, shame is often associated with a deep, a deep sense of dishonor or disgrace. It's a, it's a feeling of worthlessness that, that stems from realizing our shortcomings, our failings, our sins. Now, the Bible differentiates it from guilt. Right? For where guilt says, I have done something bad, Shame says, I am bad. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 35, the Bible tells us, The wise will inherit honor, but fools get disgrace. In the modern age, with its social media echo chambers, strict beauty standards, societal pressures, it tends to amplify this, this meaning, this feeling of shame. And it's as if we're we're trapped into this this hall of mirrors. Each one is reflecting a warped view of ourselves to us. The voices of our past mistakes, amplified by our harsh judgment, echo back to us repeatedly. Oh, you are not enough. Right? These societal and personal issues are battlegrounds that we face daily against shame. But today, we will uncover the nature of this battleground. We will dissect 
the origins of shame, understand its impact, and most importantly, we will unveil its cure. So as we venture forward, may we hold on to this truth that God in his mercy has not left us unequipped in this battle against shame. For our journey today is about freedom. It's about liberation from the chains of shame, the embracing uh, the grace and love found in our Lord Jesus Christ, which brings us to our first point, unmasking shame, the origins and implications. As we dive deeper into our, our journey today, let's focus on the nature and source of shame. Now, we'll do this not so much that we can wallow in it, but so that we can understand it. And by understanding it, we can disarm it. We'll use the the light of God's word to illuminate the darkness. And remember that when we bring anything into his light, oh, the darkness flees. In the Bible, shame first appears in the book of Genesis, as I shared with our kids. Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, we are, are told, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, at the onset, right, mankind was was unashamed, open and accessible to the presence of the God and to each other. But things soon changed with the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve's eyes were opened to their nakedness. And for the first time, they felt shame. What did they do? They tried to cover themselves and hide from God when he walked through the garden. Now, this here was a radical shift for suddenly mankind was burdened with the weight of shame. And after that sin, they felt shame, a deep-seated awareness of their nakedness, vulnerability, and a newfound separation from God. They even tried to hide from him. But God in his love sought them out. He clothed them, illustrating the early picture of covering for sin and shame. This beautiful contrast to Christ's later sacrifice that permanently covers our sin and shame. Similarly, consider the shame that David felt after his sin with Bathsheba. Psalm 51 is a cry of repentance from a man deeply aware of his failure. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. David felt shame. Not just because he sinned, but because he sinned against God. See, the idea of Sinning against God highlights this this vertical dimension of shame, right? It's not just about how we feel about ourselves or how others see us, but it's about our relationship with God. Sin introduced shame into humanity. When Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, they opened the door for sin and shame. Sin creates this separation, a a chasm between us and a holy God. It distorts our perception of ourselves and our worth. And this is a crucial point for us to understand because shame results from our fallen nature, from our fallen sin nature. Yet sin is not the only source of shame. 
in the modern era, societal norms and the, the culture of comparison, especially on platforms like social media, can feed into our shame. But the Apostle Paul warns against such comparisons. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, saying, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. But when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Like Emily from our story, we can, we can feel insufficient and unworthy because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. Right in the face of societal and personal pressures, we must remember that God is the original source of our work. We are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God, not to be devalued by comparisons or past sins and mistakes. This understanding of shame's nature and source sets the stage for us to, to embrace the hope, the solution that the gospel provides us. And in the words of the Apostle Paul, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, oh, grace abounded all the more. So may we hold on to this hope as we navigate our journey toward liberation and shame, which brings us to our second point, the gospel's grace disarming the power of shame. Now that we've understood the nature and the sources of shame, we might, we might feel the weight of the pressure pressing down on us. But dear friends, this is where the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, shines its transformative life. For Christ, life, death, and resurrection has profound implications for our shame. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For when Christ hung on the cross, he bore our shame. He took it upon himself so that we might be free from its crushing weight. In Romans chapter 10, verse 11, we are assured for the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will what? Not be put to shame. What an incredible promise that we have in Jesus. The gospel not only removes our, our shame, but it also transforms us. For we are given a new identity when we put our faith in Christ as 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. But this transformation, it reminds us that we are no longer defined by our past mistakes, our failings, or sin. We are defined by Christ and our identity in him, the prodigal son. It's an extraordinary example of God's transform or the gospel's transformative power. After squandering his inheritance, the son returns home. But he was expecting to be received as a servant. But instead, the, the father runs up to meet him and he embraces him. And he celebrates his return. 
the son's shame that he felt is met with love, acceptance, and celebration. Imagine being the Samaritan woman at the well meeting Jesus who offers her living water despite knowing her past. Or being Zacchaeus, the despised tax collector that Jesus chooses to dine with at his house. These stories all reveal a profound truth that Jesus sees beyond our shame. And he offers us acceptance, love, and transformation. This identity in Christ, it frees us from the grip of societal judgments in our past. Remember the story of the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. She was brought to Jesus by the religious leaders. And shame was laid all out there for everyone to see. What were they going to do? Oh, these religious leaders, they were ready to pick up stones and start hurling hurling them at her. But Jesus responds, let any one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. One by one, they left until it was only Jesus and the woman. Here, in the moment of most profound shame, Jesus tells her, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. You see, this is the transformative power of Christ's love and acceptance. It it deals with the shame of our past, but it empowers us to live a new life free from the bondage of sin and shame. And in the light of the gospel, those whispers of you're not enough are silenced. Instead, we hear the voice of our Savior saying, in me, you are more than enough. So as we move forward, let's discuss how can we practically apply these truths in our daily lives, which brings us to our third and final point, from chains to freedom, overcoming shame through Christ. Having understood the nature of shame and the gospel's response, the question now arises for us, how do we apply this understanding in our day-to-day lives? How do we combat these pervasive feelings of shame in a world that often just seems intent on making us feel that we are less than enough? Well, here's some practical steps for us. One is a self-evaluation in light of Scripture. You know, as we navigate life, it's easy for us to be influenced by the societal standards or our past failures. However, as believers, our benchmark should always be God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 reminds us, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. We must consciously filter our thoughts through the lens of Scripture, reaffirming our our worth and identity in Christ. Secondly, we must reject the culture of comparison. In this age of social media, where lives are constantly showcased, we must learn to reject it. Reject this culture of comparison. 
Paul warns us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, where he says, but let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. Right? Remember that we are God's masterpiece. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which is prepared in advance for us to do. Thirdly, we must embrace forgiveness. And this may be one of the hardest for us to do. For many of us carry the burden of past sins and mistakes, our personal failures, which continue to inflict shame upon us. Right? We must remember right, the word of God that if, if we confess our sins, that God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This promise is not just about God forgiving us. It's also about us accepting that forgiveness and letting go of past mistakes and sins. We need to forgive ourselves too. Before his encounter with Christ, Paul, then Saul, was the, the persecutor of Christians. But after his conversion, right, he, he could have been paralyzed by the shame of his past actions. But instead, he says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul models the practical step of embracing forgiveness and moving forward overcoming shame it's not about mustering up the strength within ourselves but rather it's leaning on our power in christ it's about embracing our identity as beloved children of god and letting his truth shine in the face of our shame Revisit Emily. After years of battling shame, Emily found herself at the foot of the cross, laying down the burdens of comparison, of societal judgment or past mistakes. And as she immersed herself in God's word and in his love, she began to see herself not as the world saw her, but as God saw her, a beloved child, wonderfully made and forgiven. Now, the transformation did not happen overnight, but with each passing day, Emily felt the chains of shame loosening their grip. Like Emily, we too can experience this liberation from shame. Yes, the battle is real. And at times it seems relentless. But remember this, we do not fight alone. The one who conquered sin and death is fighting for us. He has given us his word, his spirit, his grace. So when we, the whispers of shame creep in, oh, let's silence them with the truth of the gospel. Let us remember the words of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
For we are not our past mistakes. We are not our failures. We are not what society often tells us we are. Oh no, in Christ, we are new creations. We are forgiven. We are more than conquerors. And we are His beloved. What an insightful sermon. Thank you, Pastor Adam, for guiding us through this powerful message. I'm sure our listeners, like me, feel empowered and ready to step out of the shadows of shame. Any parting words for us today, Pastor? Well, thank you. I want everyone listening today to remember that we are more than our past mistakes and more than the judgments others may place upon us. Remember, you are loved by a gracious God. Let His love guide you toward liberation. Thank you, Pastor Adam. And as we sign off for today, remember next week, we will continue our emotional journey with Embracing Solitude. Discovering God's love in the silence. We hope today's message has been a comfort and inspiration for you. If it has, please share it with your friends and family. We are all on this journey together. Until next time, keep the faith. God bless.